I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting again. I welcome you that are watching us by live stream. I welcome you that are watching us by recorded video. And I ask you to join us. We have a group of women here and a group you out there watching live stream and video that are endeavoring. We want, we want the kingdom of God. We want to walk in the power of the gospel. We want to walk in that salvation. I give thanks, Jesus. I thank you. I am the Almighty. I am the Almighty. I am the God of your salvation. I am the God of your salvation. My ways are not your ways. My paths are not a path that you would choose, but my paths lead to an everlasting salvation. My paths lead to an eternity with me. But my paths are for your correction. My paths are for your salvation, your uttermost salvation. My paths walk you through the things that your heart needs to walk through so I can deliver you, so I can justify you, so I can sanctify you, so I can make you righteous so you will walk with me and walk in my power, saith the Lord. So rejoice in the paths that I walk you in. Rejoice in the afflictions and persecutions that you encounter. Rejoice. It is me. I am the Almighty and I know what you need. Amen? Oh God. Hang on, folks. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> All right. Now, we are going to begin this program with a testimony from Kathy Courier. And it's one that a lot of us have heard, some of us have not. And it is a powerful testimony. And it is the Spirit of God, like all of the other testimonies, that have asked me to ask you to say, and I tell you what, God changed my whole plan during worship this morning to go with what Kathy Courier is going to share. So, Kathy, welcome. Hello, ladies. It's, um... It's a joy to be here to share about the mighty power of God. I would like to start with a verse, um, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, my sister suffered a cardiac arrest on July 15th, 2016. Um, we, I got a phone call early that morning. We got out there. She had no pulse. Um, they had called the paramedics and they had uh, intubated her. We didn't get to see her, but just briefly before they loaded her on the ambulance and they took her to a designated point where she was um, airlifted to the hospital. Uh, my other sister lives in Greeley where they took her so she was able to she was the first one to get there and She told me later that when she walked in there into that emergency 
she saw death. And I remember on the way to the hospital, driving with my mom, um, just lots of things going over in my heart, uh, considering what the outcome could be because it didn't look good, didn't look good at all. But I was somewhat comforted because we'd had many conversations about the things of the Lord. And I had asked her one day pretty firmly, if you die, where are you going? And she says, well, I'm going to be with Jesus. And so I had that, I kind of held on to that. The whole family gathered that day at the hospital, all my siblings, my mom, nieces and nephews, her son, and we just watched what went on around there. Um, we were in and out of her room. Um, it was a hard thing to watch. We, the doctors, her team called us in there and gave us a rundown on her prognosis. And they didn't offer us well, little hope. Um, I don't know what was in all of our hearts, if we believed that we were gonna ever talk to her again or not. But we continued to go in, see her, talk to her. Um, that was on Friday, the same, we stayed, my sister and I took turns staying with her at the hospital. And we would go in there and we would talk to her like she could hear us. And I remember Terry Brown in one of her um, messages to me. She said, talk to her. You can still minister to her spirit. And uh, they did CT scans. They didn't know if there was any damage. There, nothing was conclusive as far as um, if there had been brain damage, if there was, how much. They talked to us about end-of-life procedures. They talked about whether we should fill out those forms. They talked to us about someone needs to be a medical power of attorney. We had social workers. It was an intense time. Kathy, was she, yes. in a, she was in a coma, right? She was in a coma. Okay, I just she, wanted to make sure we understood right. that. She was in a coma. Right. Okay. She was in a, actually in a coma for six days. And uh, no response. Like I said, it was hard to watch her like that. And uh, I'll never forget on... Tuesday evening, it was late. And they moved her, turned her, like every 30 minutes to keep her from getting bed sores. So they would you know, reposition her about every 30 minutes. And the nurses had come in that night and I was sitting across the room from her bed and they rolled her over on her side um, so she was facing me and her eyes opened. That was the first I had seen her eyes open since she'd been in there. And it just seemed like she looked at me. And I'm, I think I commented to the nurses about it. And after they had left her room, I got up and walked over there to the bed and I got my face right down on top of hers and I just yelled in there. I know you're in there. Look at me, look at me. I know you're in there. And I just briefly saw, I believe I saw her look at me two times. And the next morning, the nurses had told me that they saw her open her eyes, too, on a number of occasions. And that was Wednesday morning um, when they told me that. And I had sent, the respiratory team had come in, and they were going to try to take her off of the ventilator and put her on a CPAP for, you know, to see how she did. 
And so I text that information to Kathy to, and Doyle, and I'd like to read that, what I text to her. Um, she started to open her eyes last night. This morning seems like she recognized my voice when I talked to her. They changed the ventilator to CPAP. She is breathing on her own. If that goes smooth today, there's a possibility of taking her off the ventilator soon if she begins responding to commands. Because we would tell other nurses, they've done this, they've done that. Or, or, and we'd say, well, she moved this foot or she moved this hand. And they would tell us, well, it wasn't a purposeful movement. It was just a reflex. You know, you can't read anything into that. So that's what they meant if she begins responding to commands. Kathy texts me back. I read this to Doyle. Yesterday morning, while we were getting ready, he was praying and said, Jesus, intervene in this situation. Your sister, keep preaching, girl. Well, I knew. He prayed that prayer Tuesday morning, and Tuesday night, she was opening her eyes. And... So Wednesday afternoon, my sister was going to relieve me and she, the other sister, and she was going to take over. And so I went in to tell Teresa goodbye. And the nurse that was sitting at her nurse's station, she got up with me and she said, come here, I want to show you something. So she took me in beside her bed and she was on one side, I was on the other. And she slipped her hands and her fingers inside Teresa's hand and said, Teresa, squeeze my fingers. And I watched Teresa's hand squeeze. And she said, now you do it. So I slipped my fingers inside her hand and I said, Teresa, squeeze my fingers. And I felt just the slightest pressure. We knew she was waking up. And so I went on home and my other sister stayed with her that night. And I called the hospital that morning to ask how the night went. And the night nurse said, she's alert and rambunctious. And so, my sister relayed this information to me later that they took the ventilator off, they put a oxygen mask on, and then not long after she graduated to the cannula, which is the two, uh, the oxygen in her nose, she was eating ice chips. And uh, if you know my sister, she doesn't mince her words. And if she was thirsty, she would be wanting something and they had to go slow because they didn't want her to aspirate, you know, till they made sure she could handle all that. Pretty soon she'd graduated to Jell-O and my sister called me and put her on speakerphone so I could talk to Teresa. And one of the first things I said to her is, Teresa, where have you been? And now remember, she told me that if she died, she would go to heaven and be with Jesus. And she said, well, I was in hell, and then God brought me back to my family. Um, that wasn't what I expected to hear. I didn't really like hearing that. And we didn't talk a whole lot longer after that. <clears throat> that set me back. And the next morning or afternoon, whenever I got there, uh, when I changed places with my sister, I pulled my chair up beside her bed and said, well, I'm, this is working on me sharing this again. Uh, I pulled my chair up close to the bed and she started talking and she said, I was in this really dark place. It was ugly, it was wooded, it was dark. And she said, it was like there was levels. 
And she said, I finally started praying, Lord, you've got to get me out of this dark place and back to my family. Well, God did that. And I told her in that conversation, I said, Teresa, I can't do this for you. Doyle can't do this for you. You are going to have to get before the Lord. You are going to have to talk to him. You have to do this. And I don't know if it was the next day or the day after, but my cot in there was close to her bed. And I woke up real early one morning and was just praying the name of Jesus. And she said, Teresa said, I've been doing that. And I said, doing what? And she said, talking to the Lord. And so later on, I asked her, what did you ask the Lord? And she said, I asked him to save me. And, oh, I can't tell you what a blessing that was to hear. And she was in, uh, she was in uh, emerge, or, uh, intensive care until uh, the next day. And they then moved her into a regular room. And then uh, a, almost a week after that, I think it was six days after that, they moved her into a rehab facility. And she was there for 14 days. And my sister and I, again, took turns staying there. Um, but after that, she had some other physical issues that she um, needed an IV for six weeks. And so she went into a nursing home for three months, and then she came and lived with me for a year, which is a whole nother testimony. But at the hospital and to the doctors and the nurses, she just started sharing what the Lord had done in her life, how he had saved her. And it was a testimony to the power of God. They could not deny what they saw. I saw a, what the head of the respiratory team later when, I think Teresa was using a walker at the time, but she was going down the hall and I heard him say, is that Teresa Lewis? Um, it was stunning. It was stunning to me and to all the medical staff. Um, I would like to say the two things that are so significant to me, this was life-changing for me. Number one is I thought she was born again and going to heaven if something happened. She wasn't. I found out I didn't know anything. I didn't know. And the second thing is the lengths that God will go to, to save a person. It's like he reached down into hell and pulled her out. And so I would just tell all of you, never give up, never stop praying, never stop believing. You don't know what God can do. Nothing is too hard for him. And be sure, be sure for your own sake and those that around you that you minister to, be sure that they're sure where they're going. I thank God because that prayer of intercession that God gave to the apostle and prophet, that prayer 
well, it was just God. It saved her. And I just, I will be forever grateful for his goodness and kindness toward us. Amen. Amen. If you will turn with me to John 3. Like I said, God changed my whole message during worship today. And I want to title this, we're still going to talk about prayer. But we're going to talk about the most important prayer you will ever pray. The most important prayer for you and your family that you will ever pray. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now I want you to notice about this. This man was a Pharisee. He was the strictest of the sects of the Jews that followed the commandments, the law of Moses. He followed the law of Moses to the letter. Do you hear that? Nicodemus followed the law of Moses to the letter. He was a Pharisee. That means he walked in the Ten Commandments. This is a man that was a ruler of the Jews. Not, not a publican, not the lowest of the low. This was a ruler of the Jews who obeyed, followed, believed in the Ten Commandments. And not only that, look at this. He even acknowledged that Jesus came from God. He said to Jesus, we know you're from God. Because no man can do these miracles except God, be, God sent him. So we've got this man, Nicodemus, who you and I, if we sat next to him in church, would think that his next place was heaven. But Jesus didn't think so. Jesus didn't think so. Listen to what Jesus tells a man who in those days would be considered righteous, who would be considered a good man, who would be considered one that follows God. Look what Jesus says to this man. And Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I say unto you, the one that obeyed the Ten Commandments, the one that followed the law of Moses, the one that was a ruler of the Jews. Jesus said, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you see that? It doesn't matter how many years you have been in church. It doesn't matter if you've obeyed the Ten Commandments since you were in diapers. It doesn't matter if you were a good person since your mother cradled you in her arms. It doesn't matter. Kathy Courier's sister found that out. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. 
cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. A man who followed the law of Moses to the letter. He said, you must be born again. You, Nicodemus, must be born again. We must be born again. It has nothing to do with our background. It has nothing to do with how many generations we have been in church. This is Nicodemus. This is a ruler of the Jews. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, if Nicodemus must be born again, so must we. We must, we must be born again. Now, I want you to go to verse 14. Jesus still speaking. And Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And that was him. That whosoever, whosoever, do you see those words? There are some denominations that say, well, if you're not in our denomination, you're not going to heaven. There are some people that say, well, God has his and everybody else is going to hell. Have they ever told you that? Well, I'm predestinated. You're going to hell. Do you know what it says? Do you know what Jesus said right here? Do you know what the Messiah said right here? Do you know what the Son of God that came down here said? He said that whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth in him, who in the one that was lifted up, the one that was put on the cross, whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you know when that eternal life starts? You know when that life starts? The moment you believe in him. You don't wait till you die to experience eternal life. Eternal life starts the moment you start believing. And I'll show you that now. Verse 16. For God so loved the world. Not just the predestined ones. Not just the ones in this denomination. God so loved the world that he gave. You know, God so loved the Hindus. God so loved the Muslims. God so loved the Native Americans. God so loved the, the, the Inuits. God so loved the, the Aztec. God so loved the African. God so loved the English that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever Whosoever again, whosoever says it again. You know, it doesn't say whosoever that's not sinning right now. It says whosoever will believe. Do you know you can be in the deepest of sin? The deepest. 
the worst and believe in Jesus and believe in Jesus? Do you know you don't have to clean up your act to believe in Jesus? Do you know Jesus knows that? Jesus, let's read on. It says that whosoever God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come. He didn't send Jesus to condemn us. Thank God. He didn't send Jesus to condemn us. He sent Jesus to save us. And he came, Jesus, to save us when we were at our worst. When we were in the ditch. When we were in our own vomit. Is when God sent Jesus for us. That's when he sent Jesus. For God so loved you. That when you were at your worst, he sent Jesus. Jesus, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. You say, how does Jesus save us? Jesus was sent by God, came, divested, set aside all his godly abilities. Jesus was a God. John 1, 1. In in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. There were two. One was called the Word. And that Word was with God. And he left all his godly ability in heaven. Laid it aside. Emptied himself of all his godly ability And he came to the earth and his spirit, that part of him that was God, that spirit went into a man's body. And he took on not only the body of a man, but the soul of a man. It was still Jesus from heaven, but he had no power. No power. No power. Not even the power to not die. Jesus came to earth as a man to die. And why did he come to earth as a man to die? So he could die for you and me. So he could die for you and me. One man, Adam, was God created. And Adam messed it all up for all of us. And Adam's rebellion brought sin and death into the world to where you and I are going to die. You and I would die. Death came into the world through Adam. Well, God sent a man, Jesus, sent Jesus to become a man, to do what? To die for you and I. So we don't have to die. We don't have to die. You know, Jesus, when he was put on the cross, he took all your sins. All of it. The Father took everything that he knew you were going to do. All that sin. All the perversion. All the rebellion. All the, the stealing. All the, all the sin. 
And he took it from you and he put it on that body of Jesus. Why? For God so loved you that he gave. His only begotten son gave him to die for you. He, he became your sacrifice. He became your substitute. He satisfied the Father concerning everything you have ever done. Everything. Yes, even that. The Jesus on the cross as a man, working with that eternal spirit, God says in Isaiah 53, God took all the iniquity and he placed it on Jesus. And Jesus became our substitute. Jesus paid the price we should have paid. Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it. He paid for everything you did. He paid for everything you did. He not only paid for it on the cross, but he went to hell for it. Why? Because he died with all of our sin. And where do people go when they're full of sin and they die? They go to hell. Jesus went to hell for us. For us. Jesus found himself in the lowest pit with the wrath of God on him. The wrath of God. The wrath should have been on you and I. God should have paid, made us pay for what we did. But you know what God did? He put the wrath of God on Jesus in the lowest part of hell. Your wrath, my wrath, what I should have gotten, Jesus paid for in hell. And after three days, after three days of suffering in hell for you and I, the Father said, that's enough. I'm satisfied. Who was the Father satisfied with? You and me. The Father was satisfied for what Jesus paid for you and I. He was satisfied that it was paid, that we were paid for. He was satisfied that we were paid for. That's why he raised Jesus from the dead. Because he was satisfied that the payment was made. You and I have been paid for. Our sin has been paid for. Our sickness has been paid for. Our poverty has been paid for. Our safety has been paid for. Our safety. Our, our welfare has been paid for. It was paid for in the death, burial, and resurrection. And the only thing you need to see that work in your life is to believe it. Now, go with me to Romans 10. I want to show you how you can be born again. Because Nick, Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. Well, Nicodemus got to be born again. Jesus said, we must be born again. You know what? Kathy's sister thought she was going to be with Jesus. She found out otherwise. Folks, not everybody gets the opportunity to come back and fix it. 
Not everybody gets the opportunity to come back and fix it. Ask Lazarus that Jesus said went to hell with the, with the uh, poor man. Or Lazarus was the one that was saved. Ask the rich man that was, went to hell with Lazarus going to heaven. Ask him. He didn't get the opportunity to come back and fix it. He asked for it. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. He did not get it. In fact, he said, then please go tell my brethren. Please go tell my family. We don't all get that opportunity to fix it. But you know what? You can fix it today. You can know of a certainty. You can know that you know that you know that if something happens to you, you will be with Jesus. You can know that. And you know what? It doesn't take feelings to know it. It doesn't take your feelings. Because you know what? Some days you don't know where your feelings are. Some days they're up here and some days they are way down there. It is not by feeling. It is by the word of God. It is by the word that was in the beginning. Now, Romans 10, verse 8. What saith it? That the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul preached the gospel. What I just preached to you. That's the word. That's the gospel. That's what we preach. That Jesus died on the cross for you. That he bore your sickness, your sin, your poverty, your security, your welfare. He bore it on his own body. And then he, was, he died and he was buried and he went to hell. And he satisfied the Father concerning us. Don't forget that part. He satisfied the Father concerning us. And then God raised him from the dead. And when he raised Jesus from the dead, you and I were forgiven. Our sins were forgiven. They were put out of the way. Our sicknesses were healed. We were made rich. The only thing we have to do is do it like God does it. We have to believe it. That's the only thing. Now, back to here. That, verse 9. If thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. You see that? That's the first act. You open up your mouth. That thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Who do you confess it to? Jesus. You talk to Jesus. I don't see him. You don't have to see him. Thank God he's in heaven and he can hear. And he knows where you are. And he can hear your voice. He's the shepherd. He said that thou should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shall be saved. Two things. If thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Not the friend Jesus. Not the, Bible, not the, not the Sunday school teacher Jesus. The Lord Jesus. You open your mouth, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Take over. Be Lord of my life. I believe 
that you were raised from the dead. And you know what happens when you do that? It says, thou shall be saved. You know what the wonderful thing about that word saved is? It not only means born again. Not only. That word is sozo. I love that word sozo. That word sozo, saved, means not only to save, it means to bring to safety. It means to prosper. It means to be in health. It means to be complete. You know what that saved means? It means fixed. Thou shall be fixed. Made complete. Not just born again and squeaking into heaven by the skin of your teeth. It means when we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be made complete. We will be fixed. We think that all Jesus can do is just Get us saved. We have no idea the power of the resurrection. We have no idea the power of the resurrection. We have no idea what saved means. When you give your life to Jesus, when you let him be Lord, he will fix you. He will not only forgive you. He will not only justify you. He will not only make you righteous. He will not only set you apart so you can do the work of God. He will make you rich. He will heal you. He will not only heal you, but he will heal those around you. And I'll prove it to you. Now, the next verse. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You need to open your mouth. You need to open your mouth. And when you do that, what happens? The next verse. For the scripture saith, and as I've said a thousand times, the scripture cannot be broken. So the scripture saith, whosoever, there it is again, whosoever, whosoever, the one in the ditch, whosoever, the one in his own vomit, whosoever, the one pregnant with another man's baby, whosoever, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Shall not be ashamed. Well, how are you not going to be ashamed unless Jesus fixes you? Shall not be ashamed. The days of shame will go away, shall not be ashamed. Why? Because the shepherd, the almighty, the Jesus that came out of the grave and said, all power is given unto me. All power is given unto me. That's the man that you get born again with. That's the spirit that gets in you. That's the spirit, the almighty, the almighty. He is not afraid of what demons you have because he will save you. 
He is not afraid of where you have put yourself. He's not afraid. He will get you out. He will deliver you. Why? He's the Almighty. He is not afraid of where you're at. And he is well able. And not only well able, he enjoys getting the lowest of the low out. It's like candy to him. Oh, I love how he likes to save the worst. You know what? And if you're religious and you're self-righteous, you're right down there with the worst. You may be even worse. Now, I want to show you something. Why this is the most important prayer you ever pray. Turn with me to Acts 11. Verse, Acts 11, verse 11. And behold, immediately. These are the ones that uh, God appeared to, or uh, the Spirit of God appeared to, to uh, Peter. And he was talking about the Gentiles being saved. And, he, and then they said, three men seek thee. And, and it was done three times. And Peter, you know, he was hungry. He was on the roof. He came down. The, the, the um, vision came down. And God said, what I have called good, don't call common. You know what he's talking about is? He's talking about the Gentiles. He said, what I call clean, don't call unclean. Now, verse 11. And behold, immediately, there were three men already come into the house where I was, this is Peter talking, sent from Cornelius unto me, or Caesarea. Twelve, and the Spirit, now look at this, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, bade me go with them, nothing doubting. And moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. He entered into the house of Cornelius, because God told him to. You know, the law wouldn't have let him go in there. The law said, don't you go into any Gentile house. But God said, go. So he goes in. Now, look at this. And he showed us, Cornelius showed us, how he had seen an angel in his house. So Cornelius is praying at the third hour, which is, I mean, about what did he say? It's at the ninth hour, it's three o'clock. And an angel shows up, starts talking to him. And an angel speaks. And he says, and he showed us how he was seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto Cornelius, send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So go get Peter, who will tell thee words whereby thou, and here's what I want to get to, and all thy house shall be saved. Not just Cornelius. Oh, I saw today what I've never seen before. That power of the resurrection. The word that the Lord gave me was diffuse. Do you know what diffuse means? It means it spreads out. We have no idea the power of the resurrection. When you are born again, you have the Almighty in you. And you know what's lovely about having the Almighty in you? He's not satisfied with just you. He is not satisfied with just you. That Holy Ghost will get to the whole house. Why? Because He is the Almighty. He is the Almighty. When you get born again, you open the door and the Spirit of God comes in and Jesus comes in and nobody's getting out. Nobody's getting out but to heaven. 
that angel promised Cornelius, listen to the words, and your whole house is going to be saved. You say, my kids are rebellious. Well, so were you. And what did that spirit do for you? Is what he's going to do for your family. You don't say, well, that's just Cornelius. Turn to Acts 16. Verse 31. Verse 31, it's, uh, this is when Paul and Silas prayed and they were singing praises unto God and they were in prison and the angel of the Lord came and got him out. And it says that uh, he came into who, the, who was in charge, the keeper of the prison. And verse 31, and they said, uh, Paul and Silas said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the man, when the earthquake happened and all the bands came off, the guy was scared to death. Let's read it. It says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. See what praise will do for you? And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. And everyone's bands were loose. Not only Paul's and Silas, but everybody in that prison. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of sleep. Seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Because if he didn't kill himself, if they all escaped, he was going through torture. And he was going to get rid of himself before the torture started. And would have killed himself, except that, that supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm. We're all here. Then he called for light, sprang in, came trembling, wouldn't you? Came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is what... Paul and Silas said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe what? That he died for you. That he was buried for you. That he was raised again for you. Believe that. Believe that. And thou shalt be saved. Fixed. And not only that, thy house. Thy house. The most important prayer you could ever pray for your family is to be born again. The most important prayer you can do for your family, not only yourself, your family, your children, your parents, your nieces, your nephews, you aunts, your uncles. The most important prayer you can pray is to be the prayer to get born again. The prayer to make Jesus Lord of your life. The prayer to make Jesus Lord of your life. It will save you and it will save your family. Everyone in my family is born again. They were not when I was young. They were not. Everyone is born again. I watched the Spirit of God move. You know what all I had to do? Obey God. It's all I was required. Obey God. Sometimes that's fun. Sometimes that's also fun. But you know what? That is the Almighty. What we heard at the beginning. He is the Almighty. They say, well, you can't make somebody born again. Oh, really? Have you talked to Paul of Tarsus yet? Have you ever felt the Spirit of God make you miserable until you obey God? Have you ever had the Spirit of God on you? Oh, they call him, I've heard, the hound dog from heaven. Uh, you weren't going to get away. 
You are not going to get away. You know what? Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. You can run, but you can't hide. Thank God. Now, pray that pray. If you have not prayed that prayer, pray it with me now. Pray it with me now. Know that you know that you know that if anything happened to you, you would go to heaven and you won't go to hell. Jesus. Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Guide me. Fix me. Fix me. I give you my life. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And you have started your eternity. Amen? Amen. I get thanks, Jesus. I get thanks, Jesus. I give thanks, Jesus. I get thanks, Jesus. I get thanks, Jesus. Anybody need prayer? I get thanks, Jesus. I get thanks, Jesus. You know, those of you that are watching live, and I had one message made a couple weeks ago. It said, when you say that, I always say out loud, me, but you don't hear me. Write me. Send me a message. They did, and God met them. They got help. It's not me. It's the Spirit of God. And we, as a group of women, join our faith together. It's just not me. Paul said that a mutual faith will comfort us all. Amen? Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.